Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of H2O What You Missed. Today will be a short episode. Last night's message had a lot of visual elements to it, but I'll make sure to get the points across to you. But before we get into that, got one announcement for you. Next Friday, September 30th, in the River Bluff Booster parking lot, we'll be having the Lexington All Church Tailgate. This is for everybody, middle school, high school, parents, whoever, to come out and join us before the Lexington River Bluff game. We're going to start the tailgate at 5 o'clock. We're going to have games. We're going to have food. We're going to have T-shirts for the first 1,000 students. And the best part is it's all free. So come out and join us and hang out before the game. So we'll jump right in with this week's passage. We'll be reading about day four of creation in Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. All right, so this is our fourth day. We see God creating all the celestial bodies, the stars, the sun, the moon, the planets, all that stuff in outer space. But before I go into any deeper meaning on this passage or any lessons or anything like that, I just want to take a second and point out what this means for us. So if you've ever been camping, if you've ever been out away from the city, away from the town at night, on a clear night, and you get out to where there's no light pollution, and you look up, and you see it all. You see planets, you see stars, you see galaxies beyond any beauty that we could ever imagine. Let it sink in that God did that. All of that beauty that you see above you, God did that, not, you know, over millions of years with his hands, but God did that in an instant with the power of his voice. That's the God that we worship. That's the God who created you and me. That's the God who looked at those things on the end of the fourth day and called them good. But then when he looked on us, when he looked on humans upon creation, said we are very good. He set us above those things. He valued us above those things. Next time you you start worrying about you know, how you look or how people think about you or anything like that, remember that in God's eyes... You're, you're more beautiful than any of that could ever be. You're better to him than any of that could ever be. And let that be enough. That wasn't actually the lesson that I did last night, but I just didn't want to leave you guys without saying that. I think it's something important for us all to hear just because it's so hard to remember that sometimes. But now we'll jump into the lesson that day four gives us here. And it was actually pretty easy. You see, this scripture gives us something that none of the scriptures leading up to this point have. And it made my job so much easier. God gave us a reason for why he was doing this. 
I didn't have to sit down and stare at this passage and try and discern what was God thinking, which I'll never be able to figure out. But instead, he lays it out right there. He says he was doing it to separate the day from the night and to let them be signs and for seasons and for days and years. So God created all of this to set up seasons and times. The sun and the moon separate the day and the night for us, but we can also see the arc of the sun and how high it gets in the sky to tell us what season it is. And the same thing can be said of the stars. Different constellations are only visible at different times of the year. This is a system that our God put into place. I would say that this is literally the beginning of time, the day that God created time. Because time is a creation of God. We mark time in man-made ways, like minutes and seconds and hours. But God is the one who gave us time to mark. And because time is his creation, he is not subject to it. But instead, it's subject to him. Joshua 10.13 tells us about a time that God really showed us that he is in control of time. It says, And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven, and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. So we see right here that God controls time itself, but more than that, God has his own time. So I'm going to use this as a chance to teach you guys a little bit of Greek. Some of you may remember when we did the Fruit of the Spirits uh, series a couple years ago, and we talked about love. And I talked about how that the Greeks had multiple words for love, and each one was a little different, and it really helped us understand the different sides of love. Well, they have that for time as well. They have two words for time. They have chronos and kairos. You see, chronos is a span of measurable time. And Kairos is an appointed time or season because the Greeks understood something that we don't, something that we have a hard time grasping. Our time is not God's time. So often we want things done on our time, on our schedule, but that's not the way it works. We don't get to decide that. I feel like all too often when we pray about something, We say amen and then just look around for whatever it is we prayed for, expecting it to be right there. That's not how it works. We all know that, but we forget it so often. Yes, God does answer prayers, but he does it in his time and according to his will. You see, we live in Kronos time. A minute is a minute. If someone says you have one minute to do something... And they start a timer, it's a minute. It's measurable. It's exact. It's something that we can grasp and wrap our heads around. But Kairos is not so easily understood. You see, God has laid out a time for everything. And that's what your challenges for quiet time this week will really focus around. 
It's not our job to set those times, to set those seasons, but instead it is our job to discern the season and listen for God and follow his perfect Kairos timing. A farmer doesn't walk outside and tell the season to be spring so that he can plant, but instead he goes outside and he watches the signs and he waits for the proper season, for the right time so that he can plant. Let's be that way. Let's quit trying to make things happen on our schedules, on our time. But instead, let's be patient and let's listen. Let's get off of this Kronos time that we're stuck in. But instead, let's claim our reward in Kairos time. So now is something to help guide you through some quiet time this week. Read Ecclesiastes Chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. We learn a lot of truths about God's timing from this passage, so try and work through those. We learn that God has appointed a season and a time for everything. And if that's true, then it's our duty to discern these. So what, what does it look like in our lives to be seeking God's seasons? And how will that be reflected in our life? Think about times when you've had to wait on God. Was it easy? Did you wait like you're supposed to? And if you didn't, how did that turn out? Take steps this week to really live on Kairos time. Our world runs on Kronos time. But think about ways that you can practically throughout your week live on God's timing and not our own. So with that, we wrap up this week. I hope that this was a time for you to learn, a time for you to discern. And I'll pray for you guys that this week, that we all walk in step with God's timing. Look for a new episode next week. Bye-bye.